0: We're your hosts, Alexa and Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast show, The Midwest Mamas. If this is your first time checking us out, welcome. Thanks for joining us. We are so glad to have you a part of our conversations. We love finding inspiring people and companies who are spreading the good in the world. Melissa and I are so excited to have our next guest on our show, Molly Huffman. Molly is such an amazing woman who just recently published her first book, The Moon is Round, a true story of extraordinary loss, grief, and the fight for faith. An extraordinary loss and grief is definitely an understatement. Molly shares her personal story of losing her mother to cancer, miscarriage, the death of her son, and divorce. So many things that can be unimaginable to so many of us, yet her faith carried her through all of these heartbreaking moments. We had the opportunity to chat with Molly and dig a little deeper into her book and ask her for advice when dealing with loss and grief. This book is so good for the soul, and I encourage anyone to read her story. You will not want to put it down. This book is an Amazon bestseller, so please go order your copy today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Molly. Hello, listeners. We are so excited to have you join us with another episode of Midwest Mamas. I am so, so, so excited for this interview. I have been looking forward to this for a very, very long time. We have Molly Huffman on our show today. Can you say hi, Molly? Hi, everybody. Thank you guys for having me. Yay! We are so excited. Um, so some of um, our listeners might not be familiar with you. So can you just give a brief background um, about yourself and what you do?
1: Sure. I, uh, I'm i currently living in eastern Kentucky in Moorhead. Um, but for most of my life, I lived in central Indiana. And um, I was an elementary school teacher for 13 years. And um, gosh, I just... Time. Yeah, a long time. Loved it, and uh, more recently, I'm getting to um, speak and share my story and teach adults, which is so great. Love teaching adults. Um, so different. Yeah. So different. They let, like think that my jokes are actually funny. So yeah. <laughs> that's <Right>. great. <laughs> and uh, um, and I now live here with my husband and two stepdaughters, and our son Mac, who's a year and a half old.
2: Oh.
1: Yay. And so
2: when you say that you're teaching adults now, like, what are you
1: teaching them? Like, is it relating to your story or? Yes. So, um, well, um, I love to travel the country and, um, just share my story and the hope of, um, what God has done. And, um, in our church, I love to teach, um, Bible studies and things like that, occasionally preach. (laughs) So wow, um, just that kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's really cool.
2: And you've, uh, so you have a book and when did, before, I mean, have you envisioned, like, did you ever think you would write a book one day? So you've been a writer and you, with your blogs and stuff, but what inspired you to write? Like, when did it all begin?
1: Sure. I, I've always enjoyed writing um mm-hmm. i remember an 8th grade teacher telling me that i was a good writer and that was really the first time that um that i thought like oh wow okay like i have a talent <laughs> you know i oh. didn't know oh. um but it wasn't until uh 2009 um when my mom passed away that um i just really felt this call to to write that story because Um, I wanted a book like what I wrote when I went through that and there just wasn't anything on the market where, um, you know, someone in their twenties lost a parent that they loved and they were a person of faith. Um, and so it was then that I, I really felt like, okay, I, I'm being called to write this book, but then it wasn't until 11 years later after a lot more loss that, um, the Mm -hmm. book actually came to fruition.
0: Mm. Yeah. So published book, the moon is round a true story of extraordinary loss, grief and the fight for faith. Congratulations yes. on the release. Thank of that. you. So exciting. Yay. Such an amazing Thank you. accomplishment. Um, mm-hmm. So you in your in your book, you share your personal vulnerable years of loss, grief and hope. And um, like you said, you, this book kind of took you like 11 years to write. So what what made you want to get your story out there for others to read? And was it difficult reliving some of those heartbreaking moments in your life when you
1: were writing it? Yes. Um, what made me want to get it out there was, um, was sort of twofold. One that, um, I, I wanted this book when I went through these hardships. Um, I, you know, I, just found reading stories of other people of faith who had gone through really hard things um, was very encouraging to me when I was going through my own dark seasons. But a lot of the memoirs and biographies that I read were um, old. <laughs> you know, they oh, were people yeah. from a century ago or hmm. um, something like that. And so I wanted uh, something that someone wrote now um wow. and so I was excited to get to write um to get to write that and uh, and it was um very emotional to to live through a lot of it again mm-hmm. um my poor husband would come home from work on my writing days and I would be at the kitchen table just <laughs> sobbing sometimes um because I was just reliving yeah. um, the, the pain of those days. Um, but I think it was, it was really important to do. It was, it was an emotional sacrifice. I think, um, that I was, that was hard, but I was honored to get to do for the, for the hope that it would encourage people in their loss, um, yeah. that they would be able to really relate to the emotions that I dug back up and, um, as well as the hope.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: reading your book it's almost as if like we just like went back in time and you're reliving it and you were writing it like it was happening right then and there so um which is crazy to think that like you can write like that so were you pulling things from like older um like journal entries or blogs uh, to help you write these
1: words yes um so Part of the story is um, the diagnosis and death of my eight month old son. And it was during his death that I um, started to blog. Um, it started as a Caring Bridge page. And just because I enjoyed writing, I couldn't just simply write the facts of what was happening. I knew that um, a lot of my coworkers were reading it. Um, a lot of my friends were reading it who were not people of faith, and I wanted them to know the hope that I had despite the loss um, and the love that God had for them. And so I wanted to incorporate some of those pieces of faith even in my Caring Bridge um, entries as it was happening. And and it was just so neat that I was prompted to do that because mm-hmm. those ended up becoming a blog, which I then continued. Um, and then many wow. of the blog entries were, um, you know, used in part in the book, which allowed me to have that kind of first person as it was happening voice, yeah. which was um, just really, really great. And then um, I also for um, some of the things um, like the divorce section, for instance. Um, I didn't blog about that in detail at the time, but I journaled about it. And mm-hmm. so I was able to pull up some of the raw emotion, um, as it was happening that way.
2: Yeah. And uh, you mentioned your son. Um, do you mind just telling us a little bit about Tage, and just for people who aren't familiar yet with him and haven't read your book just about, sure. you know, what, just kind of what happened with them?
1: Yes. Well, um, so Tage was born in 2014 and he was just completely healthy and, um, you know, full term. And, uh, I really, you know, just thought like, okay, this is, this is what I've lived for. This is what I've always wanted. And, um, I was so excited to get to be a mom and, Uh, and I was going to stay home with him and, um, you know, I was just so excited for that season. And when he was about six months old, we took him to the doctor, you know, just, he wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't making the normal sounds that a six month old would be making. Um, and he wasn't gaining weight and, um, long story short, uh, we ended up, um, in the children's hospital and, Uh, They diagnosed him with Lay's disease, which is an incredibly rare genetic mitochondrial disease. Um, And they told us it is terminal and babies with this disease do not live until their first birthday. And I can just remember the room spinning and, you know, just realizing that my life was about to take an incredible turn that I had never planned or dreamed or wanted. Um, and so he, we stayed in the hospital for a week and he got a G tube to be able to eat. And then we took him home and, um, tried to enjoy him as well as, um, honestly, it was excruciating at, yeah. at times, you know, like seeing him and he is the reminder of what's to come, even though I love him so much, you know. Um, and so he lived for two more months at home. And um, then he went to be with Jesus when he was eight months old. And it was absolutely just the most excruciating pain of my life. Mm. Um, and yet, God never left my side. Like I sensed him closer to me than I had ever sensed him before. And his presence became more real to me. um, And we cried. We absolutely cried. And it was heartbreaking and hard. And I sensed um, a supernatural peace and just this whisper of, I'm not done with this story, Molly. Just hold on. Um, and there were so many neat um, just reminders from God during that time that I wrote about in the book where he just he never let me forget that he was still there and he was still working and he hadn't abandoned or forgotten me.
0: So, so many things. And your, your faith is just so strong. Mm-hmm. And we can't imagine going through those feelings that you went through. And um, Tage sounded like an incredible little boy. And I know he would be super proud of his mom today.
1: <laughs> Thank um, you.
0: And I know that he loves his story
1: being told too. So. <laughs> I've never thought of that, but I hope he does. I hope he does. Yeah. yeah. And so uh,
2: your the title of your book is the moon is round. And in your book, you mentioned about how you heard someone speaking about that. So can you just kind of share about the, your title and what, led you. And it's interesting because now when I look at the moon and I'm like it is round like
1: it's just <laughs> that,
2: you know like good.
1: I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um at Tage's funeral actually uh one of our pastors, my friend Aaron preached um his funeral and she told the story um of a teenager who had been diagnosed with leukemia and she was dying and she was a person of faith and um after she died her parents went through her journal and over and over in her journal she just kept writing the moon is round the mm-hmm. moon is round and they you know were searching to try to figure out what this phrase meant and eventually they discovered that it was her parallel Um, You know, the moon is round even when we only see a crescent of it, even on a stormy night when we can't see it all or a new moon when we can't see it at all. It is always round no matter what we can see. And our parallel was that God is good no matter what we can see or no matter what is happening around us. And so that sort of became a mantra for me during um, those next excruciating months of of just okay it doesn't feel like god is good right now oh. but i can trust that he is good and he is loving and we will see the roundness of the moon again it will come back you know we will see it again and um and so i i'm the same i never look at the moon again you know the same yeah. way even i'm you know whenever i see the moon i just i can't think can't help but think okay i see that but it's actually round
2: and that's the same thing you just said about how um even when you don't feel it like you know his truth like I just think that's really powerful too to just know you know like to know that information I think that goes back to like knowing his word and being you know what so that you can rely on that truth when you don't
1: necessarily feel it uh-huh. Yes. So right after Tage died, um, it was such a turning point in my life and in my faith journey. Uh-huh. Um, because I had taken that the rest of the school year off to be on maternity yeah. leave. And so I had all this time with nothing to do. And so I decided to read through the Bible for the first time. And I had claimed to be a Christian since I was five and I was uh-huh. um thirty at the time when Tage died. And um And so as I was reading through the Bible, I, first of all, learned more about the character of God, who he, who he actually is and who he says he is. And even, you know, the Old Testament often gets a bad rap for being this angry, vengeful God. But I found that even the Old Testament had uh, so much grace and love Um, and, you know, yes, uh, a just God and and we want him to be a just God and so he's just but he's also equally loving and gracious and kind and i discovered that for myself as i read um, the bible that year mm-hmm. and i also learned how to lament which was a type of prayer that i had not really been taught before which
2: yeah. um
1: is just this this honest um asking god questions crying out to him Being angry, um, you know, just as we are with anyone we're close to, a spouse or a best friend or a parent, um, any relationship with true intimacy is going to require honesty. And that includes, you know, our anger and our frustration. Um, And God wants that from us, too, because quite frankly, he already knows when we're angry or frustrated. Right. Um, But when we go to him with it, he can do something about it and he can comfort Mm -hmm. us and remind us, um, you know, of the truth. And so um, it was just really a a profound year of learning and growth for me. um, And I share that in the book as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And something else that you talked about in your book, another loss um, that you experienced was losing your mom to cancer. And in the beginning of the book, something that, you said that really stuck with me, and um, I'm quoting your book. And I was certain I couldn't have fully understood, understood the good news if I hadn't fully experienced the suffering that goes with it. The good news is this, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, death is not the end for those who follow Jesus Christ. So
1: can you share with us how this helped you through losing your mom? I think, you know, the the horrible part of death is separation. Mm-hmm. We yeah. we are no longer with that person that we love. And for me I I realized, "Oh my gosh, I might have to live let's say 60 more years without my mom." I was 24 when she died. And um that was never part of my plan. I wanted her to be, you know, with me until I was much older. And so death, you know, there's this grief because there's a separation. But with Jesus, he says, "No, those who follow me you have the promise of heaven. You will see your loved ones again. There will be no more tears, no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. Um, I will wipe away all of your tears. And, um, you know, so what hope that is that I can see my mom again. I get to see Tage again. That was not the end. Um, And, you know, up until that point in my life, I hadn't ever really understood what the good news was, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the good news, not only that we no longer have to pay the penalty for our sin that separates us from God, but also this gift of eternity with the people that we love and with Jesus. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. And to just kind of um, talking about this grief, you talked about just having two choices with dealing with grief. You can either walk around it, but it taking it takes longer or trudge straight through the emotions in order to get to the other side faster. So what helped you when you were making your choice of dealing with the grief? And for someone that might be listening, who's going through grief? Like, I don't know the word tips. Like, do you have any tips for them? Like what, you know, what would you say to someone who is in that middle? You know, because you're, on the other side now, looking back, but what would you
1: say to someone who right now is in the middle, like dealing with the grief? So my husband lost his dad when he was 13. And, um, he has said before that, you know, he just, he didn't really didn't dive into the grief. He didn't, um, there weren't people who were encouraging him to process it and talk about it you know so he just stuffed it in and moved on and when we had a conversation one day about grief he he was like I think it took me decades to you know deal with the loss of my dad Um, and so yes eventually time and um, new experiences and you know there is Mm -hmm. some healing you know regardless but What I was so grateful for is the people in my life who told me, um, you know, Molly, you can avoid this, but it's just going to keep tapping you on the shoulder, you know, until you really deal with it. And sure enough, I mean, I, I talk about this metaphor of a grief cup because, uh, you know, our cup, our grief cup gets full of tears, um, Let's say in our in our body, and we have to empty it because if we don't empty it by choice, by giving ourselves time to back away from the busyness, um, then the cup is going to be emptied when we don't want it to be emptied. And for mm. For my experience, it was in the middle of the Cheesecake Factory, and I was having a dinner with somebody, and all of a sudden, like, it just, it started overflowing. I just, these tears had to come out, and they were going to come out now, and it was in the middle of a fancy dinner at the Cheesecake Factory, and our poor waiter will probably never be the same, (laughs) you know? I mean, I was sobbing, couldn't catch my breath sobbing, and so I learned, okay, I can either have that experience, or I can take time to cry and grieve you know and it's hard it's hard to be willing to be like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go for an hour-long walk right now or I'm going to read this thing that I know is gonna make me cry but I'm just going to let myself feel these emotions and I'm gonna let myself cry and you know I think when we cry about the people that we love and miss, it honors them because if the, if I died and no one who loved me cried, you know, like maybe this is selfish of me. I don't know. But like, I want the people that love me to cry about me when I'm gone. You know, I want to know that I meant that much to them. And so, you know, I think, I think we can honor them in our tears as well as heal. You know, as we take time to process and journal, and um, you know, read things that induce tears. Sometimes, you know, I think a lot, a lot of times, reading, reading something or watching a movie or something, you know, that gives us that like, opens the door to tears, allows us to then to deal with grief. And the final thing I would say is, I am a huge proponent of grief groups, therapy. Um, you know, all these things where you can carve out space to cry and to talk mm-hmm. and to process. Um, I went to four different counselors during this period of time until I found the one that really, um, really worked. Uh, but yeah. all of them did offer something to me during that season of grief. So, yeah, yeah.
0: And you also mentioned that gratitude helped you get through these difficult seasons. So how did you lean on this
1: throughout your losses and dark times? Yes. So I know it's, it's common, you know, people will talk about being grateful, but, mm-hmm. um, I think we can get swallowed up in the grief and sadness if we don't choose, we have to choose to think about what we can be grateful for. and. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes in the midst of grief, you know, there's a chapter where I just wrote, like, I know that Jesus called me to give thanks in all circumstances. And I sat down in Tage's rocker and he's no longer on the earth. And I said, Lord, how can you possibly expect me to give thanks in this circumstance? I mean, this is literally the worst Uh possible thing that could happen. But the rest of that verse is give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus, I knew I was going to see Tej again. Um, mm-hmm. the, the people that surrounded me, um, you know, that that showed up. You know, that's why community is so important. It's so important to have at least a few people who we, we are vulnerable enough to allow into our lives um, so that we can help them in their time of sadness and so that they can help us we were never meant to do this journey alone whether it's motherhood or marriage or simply life you know we were never meant to do it alone and so um you know so slowly he began to bring to mind these little things that I could be grateful for. And even the tiniest things are worth being grateful for because those tiny things build into a big pile of things eventually. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a time to just be sad and to wallow and to cry and to roll around on the bed and we can't get off it. We can't move on. And then there's also a time to choose to be grateful that we've got to find things to be grateful for too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, one of the verses that um, really helped you through so many of your losses is Mark nine twenty four. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So how can people lean on this verse to help them with the unknown and
1: uncertainties of life? I think, a, you know, a lot of people, especially if you were raised in church, or maybe weren't raised in church at all. Um, you know, well, I don't I don't have a lot of faith, you know. Right. Um, and I think. I want to believe I have the tiniest bit of belief, but Lord help my unbelief. You know, like, in other words, we're admitting that what we see around us, it's, it's causing us a difficulty of belief And, um, you know, God is so compassionate. He knows that we are human. He knows our frailty and our emotions. He knows all of that. And so when we admit that to Him, He doesn't shame us or push us away. I really, really experienced that He just drew me in closer. It's like He just wrapped me in this bear hug. And He's like, I know, Molly, I know that you're having a hard time believing, but just hang on. I'm going to help you. And, You know, the Bible talks about um, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives faith and who helps us um, with faith. And so I think asking for more faith, you know, what a powerful prayer of surrender. You know, Lord, give me more faith. I don't have it, but I want it. Can you give me more faith? And it's like a it's like a child asking a parent for a hug, like, you know, mommy, daddy, help me, help me understand how much you love me. You know, Mm. no parent would dismiss that. And so when we ask the Holy Spirit to give us more faith, his answer is always yes. So um, what a powerful prayer for us to pray.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And somebody else that you talked about in your book, uh, Johnny Erickson Tada, you mentioned that she said in an interview, she wakes up every day saying, Lord, help me. And how have these three words been a part of your life and your
1: story? And, and what do they mean to you? They are still a huge part of my story because uh, the beginning of my, of my book and my story is that, like many of us, I had um, a very distinct plan for my life. Mm-hmm. And I thought that God would give me these simple things I wanted, a husband, children, a teaching job, living near my family, you know, if I was good, like if I'm good uh. and I follow him, then he will give me these things that I want. Uh-huh. And so when life shattered and all of these things that I had and that I wanted weren't happening, um, you know, it, it threw me into this, this faith crisis. Um, but ultimately I've learned that I don't have control. I just don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have control. I've stopped making long-term plans. Like, yes, I'll keep saving some money. I've got a 401k that I'm gonna put some money in. Like, okay, those types of long-term plans. But as far as where I'm gonna live in a couple years, I don't know. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. our whole lives can just be a prayer of surrender, including our parenting or our faith or our marriages or our friendships or our anxiety. What a powerful prayer to be like, Lord, help me. I can't do it. I I thought I could. We think that we control everything. Um and we just Amen. don't. Mm-hmm. We just huh? don't. And so if we can let go of that lie that we control mm-hmm. everything and be like, "Okay, Lord, help me." And oh my gosh, if I could tell you the number of times that when I've prayed that prayer, he takes over in ways that are beyond what I ever imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I finally surrender, like, I think I could do it this way and do it well, but he's like, if you'd give it to me, I would just exponential, you know, like I would, I don't know, is this word exponentialize? I'll make it up. Yeah, I, I would, so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> just, I'll blow it out of the water. Yeah. So, um, and, it, and, you know, it, it took all of this loss to believe that he really is safe. Uh-huh. Can I really trust him? Like, does he really love me? Does he really have my best interest at heart? Um And I think oftentimes that that's our our struggle with surrendering and asking for his help is because we don't, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't believe that he actually does. We think he's holding out on us. Uh-huh. Um, and just over the course of these last few years, I've just learned never. Never has he held on held out on me. He has always been working for my good, even in the darkest darkest nights.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you talked a little bit about how it's so important to have a community, and in your book you mentioned so many strong relationships and just the family and friends that were supporting you, and um, whether it was like coworkers or friends, family, friends, church, and we know how important it is to have people help and support you, especially when you need it. Um, however, there were some relationships in your book who the people ended up not being there for you. You know, like in that mm-hmm. word of soil. And when I read it, I was like, Oh, what? You know, like <laughs> it's just, which is like, you know, and I get that, like that not every relationship or friendship you stay with them forever. You know, but how? Yeah. Did you, how were you able to walk through those relationships that were not healthy then? Like after so long and then all of a sudden it seemed like they kind of all just turned their back. Like, what did you do that you found was beneficial? Or maybe there was something you did that you're like, actually, I should have probably done this. Like looking back, like if someone is going through that now, we're like, oh my goodness, like this person just did this. And, you know, like what did you do to help process
1: those relationships that just sucked then I don't know how else to say yes (laughs) it's true um well so the people you're talking about my first husband um uh, I ended up he he left he wanted a divorce I didn't know where this was coming from and then eventually discovered he'd been having affairs for years um and Along with that, um, mm-hmm. he and I had this mentor couple from our church who we had asked to mentor us when we got married. They were part of our wedding. They were um, the woman stood beside me while Tage was born, since my mom was gone, and um, and then they were there with us at Tage's funeral and. Mm-hmm. Just so, so many things. We traveled with them and it was just this really wonderful, wonderful relationship until all of a sudden it wasn't. And I don't, I still to this day don't exactly know what happened. Um, My husband left and um, I don't know if he said something to them or if I hurt them in some way. I have no, I have no idea. I don't know what their motives were, but um, they would not speak to me about what happened? And I wanted to tell them, like, you don't understand. Like, here's what I wow. found, but they would not hear it, and they started spreading lies about me um, to other people. And uh, literally, our our relationship ended with, "If you have questions, you can email us." And yeah, I just yeah. was like, what? you know you were in the labor and delivery room you stood in our receiving line with my dad you know at tage's funeral it it was so confusing and to this day i do not really know what happened there and um but what i have learned is that one i was codependent and i didn't realize it you know just Mm. needing um the love and affirmation of people above everything else to where I was not making wise choices and just uh, putting way too much um, weight into their approval and, and things like that. Um, And so my, my final and favorite counselor was the person who um, just pointed out how I needed to detach, detach, detach. She just kept saying and how I don't owe people an explanation. And, um, you know, just becoming an independent person. I think maybe because my mom died when she did, I, I uh, panicked. I didn't get to um, maybe become as independent, you know, like I had just gotten married. And so I was yeah. kind of just pulling away from my parents. Um, and so she died. And so I, I clung to this couple and it became really unhealthy um, in many ways. And um. And so I am so grateful now to be aware of that tendency for myself mm-hmm. um, and to just have healthier boundaries with people, um, you know, including my marriage now. Like I can hold it with an open hand and I'm so grateful for the gift that the marriage is, but it is not going to, um, it is not all, Is not everything. It's not the ultimate thing thing. I love my husband. And, um, and also, if he wants to walk away, he can walk away, you know, and I, I think that's part of, um, of a, a healthy marriage, which I wouldn't have said years ago, you know, is just this freedom of not that I want him to walk away yeah. and he doesn't want to walk away you know and and quite frankly I feel more secure in this marriage than I ever did you know in yeah. in the first but um but in the first marriage I, it was my everything i mean mm-hmm. my identity was Molly the married person you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i think that's why i rushed into a marriage that i really had no business being in um and i realized that towards the end of the book that you know, there were some little voices that were, that were saying like, no, Molly, like I, this is not the best that I have for you, but I had this, I call it an idol, an idol of marriage where it was the ultimate thing and I needed it. I needed it soon in order to be able to have babies when I wanted in order to be happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I rushed in to a marriage that I really shouldn't have uh, chosen. Mm -hmm. And, um, But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't Mm -hmm. done all of that. And so the great part is that God works all things together for the good, even our mistakes when we surrender them to him.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. and a bright spot in your book is when you talk about your husband, Guy, which is so exciting. And um, getting to that point in the book, I definitely felt like there was a shift you're yeah. writing and I felt like I was like starting to read a romance novel and I was just like oh my gosh like he just sounds like such a dreamy guy and I was just like oh my god like and, and I just wanted to like read it was like in the middle of the night when I was at this point and I'm just like oh give me more I'm like going through all the pages um, he just sounds like an amazing man
1: he um, is
0: But so can you share with us like how he came into your life and what he means to you after going through so many rough
1: years? Yes. So um, I, after my divorce, um, a mutual friend of ours, um, a fairly new acquaintance to me, but she was like, Molly, are you ready to date? Mm -hmm. And I was literally just about to go on my first date um that next weekend I said well you know I'd be lying if I'm not honest that I'm about to go on a date but I am I ready to date I don't know she said well I have someone I want you to meet and he lives in Kentucky you know I lived in Indiana at the time and so it was long distance I was like uh you know he's he's divorced (laughs) and I was like oh and and he's got two kids I'm like oh this is not what I had planned for my life you know and she said and also he's my high school ex-boyfriend And I was like, what, what kind of setup is this? You know, (laughs) I've just never, but what, what is so crazy about that is um, in my first marriage, my husband didn't have like long-term friends that could necessarily vouch for his character. And um, they were all fairly recent friends. And so um, I loved that she was saying, Hey, I dated this guy like, 20 years ago, but I still think he's a man of integrity and, wow. you know, she was married. And so, you know, she wasn't going to be going after him anymore, you right. know, but, um, <laughs> and so I, I told her she could introduce us. I was really prepared if I'm honest to, to talk a little bit and then be like, you know, this long distance thing, it's just not going to work. But he just intrigued me. He was so, up front. He wasn't playing games, which I didn't have any time for games. I was so over games and lying and manipulation, you know, and, um, and he had these daughters and he talked about doing their ballet buns for their dance classes. And I mean, my heart was just melting and, um, he is a huge introvert and I'm an extrovert. And, you know, we, we joke now that if we'd met, you know, just out at a restaurant or at a friend's party, we probably wouldn't have talked. He would have been too shy. I would have been over chatting with the loud people, you know? And so <laughs> it's just so cool how God works because, yeah. because we met that way, we got to talk for, Oh, like a month before we actually met face to face. And by the time we met face to face, I was in love with him. I mean, we talked about wow. everything under the sun and, and, Um, And it wasn't what I would have chosen for myself as far as someone out of state who was divorced, who had children, who, you know, I wouldn't have thought I would have ever picked an introvert. Um, But, you know, what I had learned was that, um, you know, maybe what I always thought was what I wanted is not actually what I wanted. And um, and so it was just really neat. Uh, Now, I will tell you, I and nor guy. We are not perfect. You know, I'm not painting this, this picture that like, oh, he's this perfect, perfect man. I love him to pieces, but we are both flawed and we come Mm -hmm. with baggage, you know, but, um, but he wants true intimacy and I had never experienced that. Amazing. I know. And no one's perfect
0: and you know, we all have flaws, but it's just so amazing to hear that you guys found each other and you, you seem perfect together, you know, and so we're so happy for you. And yes,
1: and just how it all worked yeah, out. I know <laughs> <laughs> it is. So it is. It's been oh, so much redemption. So if anybody yeah. reads the book and they might, you know, there's a lot of sadness. There just is. Yeah. But spoiler alert, there's a really happy ending and yes. God has redeemed all of the pain. Yeah. Um, And I am filled with joy.
2: Yes.
0: And one of the happiest things is your son, Mac.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, it's funny. Yes. so tell so us about him.
1: He is now a year and a half old and just the chattiest fellow oh. and waves all the strangers and he's just silly. And it's just, it feels like God's little gift to me because Tage never could smile.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: not once. And so, um, you know, or talk or, you know, babble. And, um, and so Mac is the opposite of that. Um, he is just over the top with everything he does. And, um, I don't know, it just feels like a hug or a wink from God. Like, you know, your, your first son couldn't do all these things. And now here's this joy of getting to, watch your second son do this times 10. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Oh, so fun. And so uh,
2: as we just, we just have a couple more questions, Molly. Um, one question we definitely wanted to ask is just your, when we were both reading your book and we would highly recommend for everyone to go read it, um, something that we felt like you we both felt like you just really knew the Bible and just um, putting the verses in there and just remembering God's truths and just turning to it in all your different times of need and the joy. Um, and Alexa and I, we both, you know, admit that sometimes, and I think others can relate. Studying the Bible on a regular basis can be hard, you know. And yes, yeah, just committing to it and knowing what to read and to, you know what I mean? And so what Mm -hmm. advice could you give people who are wanting to dive into the Bible more, but just don't really know where to start or what to focus on? Sure.
1: I, for years, years, I thought the Bible was so boring and I was in church all the time, but it just, it didn't, um, I don't know. It, it didn't seem to, think that's one of the gifts of suffering is that it does, you know, I, I tried shopping and sleeping and staying busy mm-hmm. and alcohol and, you know, everything would let, would leave me empty. And so finally it was like, okay, I'm going to try this Bible. You know, I, I want to try it. I want, in. Yeah. um, and so, um, I had heard a sermon where, you know, they talked about, if you want to delight in God's word, if you want to delight in the Bible, it does start with discipline. And that's hard when we have mm. toddlers, because I'll be honest with you right now with the one and a half year old, I am so tired. I don't want to yeah. get up early, you know, yeah. and then as nap time, there are so many things I can do. But I think that the Lord has such compassion for mothers too, because he knows, he, you know, he sees us, he knows how hard it is. Um, and so, you know, not to put to... Ten- of pressure on ourselves but but if you could read one chapter uh during nap time or first thing in the morning or right before bed or uh while while the toddler's watching a show you know who knows what it is but um the discipline of getting in the word every day and letting it um just impact, you know, your, your thinking and your day. I really do recommend it in the morning. I know it's hard. Um, sometimes I get up and then like, you know, during breakfast while he's watching a show I'll read or during his nap, which is midday, you know, but so I get it. It, it, It's not necessarily easy when we have young kids, but, um, but getting in the habit of just reading a little bit a day. And, you know, the, the Bible's, or the Bible, the books of the Bible were written, um, a lot of them as letters. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, to read from the beginning of one book of the Bible to the end um, is really a great way to start. So um, if we can get into the discipline Mm -hmm. and then eventually there would be a desire we could see how it impacts our day you know just yeah. even if there's one verse that sticks out to you and you underline it and you think about it throughout the day um, you know when we underline things then our eyes will see them again Um, whenever we're flipping through our Bible and so much of, of learning the Bible is repetition, you know, we need to hear things and see things a few times. So underlining the thing that stuck out to you is really important. And eventually once we realize that we have a desire for it, and then it it can become a delight where we just cannot wait, you know, and I'm going to be honest and say that in the, the toddler years, it is like, I miss the Bible. I'm not reading it as much as I wish that I was right now. Um, you know, but but I still think it's great to try to get in there. I would recommend that people I, I started with a new translation. I had, um, you know, read the same translation my whole childhood, teenage oh. college years. Mm-hmm. And so let's say, for instance, there's this new living translation. It's a very modern, easy to read translation. I would suggest getting a new Bible. Um, in a in the NLT New Living Translation, you know, an easy easy translation.
2: Yeah. And that starting James. exactly <laughs> oh, exactly.
1: Okay. Or Without... yes, <laughs> like even like the ESV translation. Sometimes there's words that I'm like, what is that word, you know? Um, and so, uh, but maybe starting in the book of John in the New Testament, uh, starting at John and reading straight through the New Testament, because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of letters, there's a, there's a little bit of history, there's a lot of um, very applicable, easy to understand things um, that way. And just don't put a timeline on it. Don't go print off a calendar that says you have to read, you know, just get as much as you can in a day. Yeah. And call it a day. Like, and when you get through it, you get through it. You know, no one else needs any more (laughs) pressure. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's great advice. Mm -hmm. Because I always, you know, like get behind and then I want to set a goal and then it just Yes. It's, oh, it's just hard and then yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
1: defeating. And for me, once I'm like way behind on my goal, I just give up. And I think that's exactly what the enemy of our souls wants us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so so don't do that, you know. And I think when, before we start reading, like let's invite the Holy Spirit to open our minds to understand mm-hmm. what we're about to read. And mm-hmm. I really think that when I do that, he points things out to me, Um, you know, so I just, I would encourage you as you sit down, open up your Bible, just pray that he would help things make sense to you. And he will. Love it.
0: Well, we are so excited to um, share your book with everyone we know. And we are so honored to be able to read your words. And it is such a, an encouraging book and it lifts your soul and we just want everyone to read it. Um, so thank you for writing.
2: Yes, thank your you. Personal
0: for sharing. story. and I know it probably was not easy to get that out for everyone to read, but
1: so many people will benefit from your words. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so so much. And um, uh, I am on Instagram. If anyone does read the book and wants to connect, um, I'd love to to stay connected with you and all of your listeners.
0: Where can our listeners follow you?
1: on Instagram, Molly M Huffman. Um, and then I have a website, mollyhuffman.com. And, um, I have Facebook, but I don't really, I wouldn't recommend that one. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's good to know. And Molly, one last question that we like to ask all our listeners is how do you like to unwind after a, a busy day?
1: Well, we have a new deck on the back of our house, and if I could sit on that deck with a glass of wine and a little music playing and my husband after the kids are in bed, um, that is that is the best evening in my book for sure. Yes. How's
2: the weather been there in Kentucky? Because it's been <laughs> real humid here. Right
1: yes. <laughs> oh, if you could see my hair right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is so, so poofy. <laughs> yes oh man it
2: always makes me think of monica from friends when, yes when she's yes like, it's
1: the humidity <laughs> exactly oh <Yeah. Ugh. laughs> stupid humidity
2: yes <laughs>
0: oh geez oh amazing well thank you so much molly and um we're just so excited for you and um just congratulations again on your book and uh, we're so happy that um, everything worked out.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys so, so much. This is such been so fun and such a pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for this conversation. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye.